Have you noticed any buzz building about the bowl game at all, Pierce? Or uh, in what way? People caring about the bowl? No. Game? Okay. Not at all. Unfortunately, I'm not either. I, maybe it picks up after Wednesday. Maybe it picks up after signing day. I I I, I don't know. But it's it's interesting because I do think that this is this is absolutely one of the weirder what's the best way to put this different perspectives on where a team is right now going into a bowl game, right? Florida State finished the year playing well, top 13, right? Probably based on the standings in the Big 12, this shouldn't have been Oklahoma playing them, but again, OU and Texas have some juice. So the Cheez-It Bowl got that pick, sends him there. But everyone's like, I mean, even look at, and I've talked about this a lot, Florida State's athletic director, Michael Alford, talking gas. Not on OU, but like on Clemson and their new uh, facility that they're building. He's tweeting about where there's only like 3,000 tickets left, period, to the actual game itself. And they want Florida State fans to paint the whole stadium. So This could end up being right. a, a home game and a half but, for Florida State. So for Florida State, this is – like their Super Bowl. Meanwhile, for Oklahoma, it's kind of, all right, young guys practice a little bit from everything we've heard look good. Matt BV's going to meet with the media on Wednesday, so maybe we'll learn a little bit more. But I just, I'm intrigued, man. I'm I'm intrigued to see if, if, if one of two things. Number one, it's a trap. We're walking into a trap, and we're going to get boat raced on the 29th. Or... Now, there's another time when Florida State was there to declare that they were back and they were going to show everyone in the country that they are a new power, and Oklahoma went in there and beat them. Now, much different circumstances. That was the first game of the year. This is a bowl game from a 6-6 six and six team, but I don't know. I just, I'm getting more and more intrigued about the 29th, and I don't think anyone is there with me. It's interesting, too, when you think about where Florida State is as a team and as a as a almost a franchise, I want to say. Mike Norvell is pretty new. What is this, his third year? Fourth year? Third four? Uh, Mike Norvell is in year three, three. with so this the is Florida State Seminoles. Third year. Yeah. So it's almost as if they are two years ahead of where OU is at with a new head coach, a lot of hype surrounding them. True. They have, they've had some pretty solid recruiting classes. So it's almost just like they have fast-tracked two years ahead of OU and where they're at. So imagine where Florida State was two years ago. And that's where OU is. And it's interesting, both these teams playing each other. I'm interested in this bowl game. Even if I wasn't an OU fan, I would be interested in this bowl matchup. But it doesn't feel like, like you said, anybody else is at all. And I really understand why. I think it'll be a game for at least a little bit. Florida State is looking for its first 10-win season since 2016. Um, since that 2016 season, this is just their second winning campaign. And really? yeah, I mean, they went, I mean, think about it. 2016, Jimbo Fisher went 10 and three. They went seven and six in 17. And then this is their first winning record since then. I mean, it's wild. It's insane. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of intrigued by those different storylines. I may be alone.
Um, it's kind of funny. 405-651-3439. Florida Sooner writes, I got my tickets. I can't wait for the bowl game. I'm hoping OU also comes to UCF next year. Bro, that's a fascinating angle to get into. That would be fun. I'm looking forward to that a lot. What is the Big 12 going to do with a 23 schedule? I got no clue. Right. Now, first of all, it's not out yet. Nor is it even – I think there was a report this past week from a Central Florida a UCF reporter that said they don't expect it out now until February for the Big 12 schedule. Why? I, I, I honestly think there is a lot of debate about what do you do with OU in Texas the last year in the Big 12 and how do you handle that with some of the new teams coming in and uh, those traditional rivals that are out there too. It's just going to be interesting – from the Big 12 flipping to a conference where you don't play everybody. You, you can't. You can't no. play everybody now. At and least in 23. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be so interesting to see what they do, who doesn't play who. Someone's going to feel like they're going to get screwed over in the schedule. Um, it, it, there's nothing that makes sense Wait, in my head. There's listen. nothing that just like clicks in my head and be like, that's what they should do. There's nothing. Um. So to me, that's what's going to be interesting. Do you go ahead and reward those that? Do you go ahead and reward those that want the home game? Do you protect them because you like? In other words, I I know this sounds very egotistical and arrogant, but I don't care. I mean, I know TCU might say, "Hey, we we wouldn't mind having Texas on our schedule because Texas is supposed to go to Fort Worth this year." But in the same vein. If you're the Big 12, you kind of try to protect those teams a little bit. Oh. You know? Right? Try to protect and your sure, good ones. Okay. It's, it's a reward. It, it's a reward. It's a reward to have them go there from a crowd perspective, but is it really from a game perspective? That's interesting. I didn't even think about that aspect of trying to have another playoff team. Right. Man, there's, this is going to be so interesting. So that that's the thought why suddenly the mindset changed on 24 and getting them out of there as soon as possible. And someone brought this up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line last week when we got into the Big 12 SEC, and it didn't really register with me until I was driving. And, and of course, you know Texas by no means is a juggernaut. Oklahoma struggled this year, but they're still top to bottom, the two most talented teams in the Big 12. You don't want them in there in 24, potentially snagging your one playoff spot. So are you saying TCU making the playoff – made this a faster exit for OU in Texas? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. But but let me explain. I don't think anyone of the Big 12 looks at what TCU is doing as sustainable. Oh, no, I don't think anyone in the country I don't think does. anyone looks at it and says, dude, look out. They're going to be right back next year. Well, hold on. One thing I will say, they're getting some transfers. They are. They're really they're doing well in the transfer I don't think they're done either. I'm not. Someone's like, well, they kicked crap out of you this year. Correct. That's one. I, no. Correct. I, but keeping it add up for, you know, the next – decade is is not in TCU's future I don't think. Right. But I'm not saying not another team would take it. That's definitely interesting though. Uh the thought process of get o- OU and Texas out of there because now we've got teams like the TCU this year, maybe Baylor next year. Uh, go see what Dave Miranda can do. Like, right. You're taking out those potential losses to every single team when you take out OU and Texas and it's more of a uh Top to bottom conference, more mm-hmm. everyone sure. can be an everyone kind sure. of situation. Right. But I also think then in that they realize you're probably not gonna have another team run the table and you're 
in the expanded playoffs. Two things are getting convoluted here, and we've made this show confusing enough with Joseph Fate. So let me pause for a moment and say this. I think part of the reason that the Big 12 wanted OU and Texas out in 24 and why that all changed is because, A, thought they could get a little bit more money out of it, and B, they don't want them in there in 24 risking that one guaranteed playoff spot that they know for certain they have. There, there's one. I'm, I'm open to that conversation. Absolutely 100%. Number two, the second part of this conversation is how do you handle then that final year of OU and Texas in the Big 12? Like, for instance, TCU. If you think they're going to be good again next year and they're doing well in the portal, they're supposed to come to Oklahoma. Texas is supposed to go there. Do you just remove that from their schedule? And and if you take both those games out, it's going to look really bad for the Big Twelve. You can't take both out, right? But I know they, still, they would, yeah, oh, right. You, you, let's just say hypothetically, um, Baylor gets hot, right? Suddenly you look at Baylor and it's like, man, Baylor's had a great off season. They could be a problem in twenty three. Oklahoma's supposed to go to Waco this year. And Texas is supposed to host Baylor this year. No, no, no. I'm sorry, sorry. Texas is supposed to go to Waco too. Do you protect them and say, you know what? We won't send you there, right? We, we, we'll take care of Baylor. We'll send like BYU yeah, there. Yeah, we'll, we'll send, send BYU. Right, and then we'll send Oklahoma and Texas to say Houston and UCF. So that way, you're quote unquote rewarding these new members because you're giving them a great home gate, but you're also protecting your potential playoff team. Oh no! It's a big Chris. Time every conspiracy now and then, theory. every now and then, you you say something, and every now and then, I think you're a genius. Uh, I mean, you connected all the dots there real it, nicely. After the Joseph Wette conversation, it takes a lot of hard work to make that look good. All right, listen, we, we owe you the top five stories today, but let's real quick do a couple of Air Comfort Solutions text, then get a break, and then we'll roll through the top five stories today. How's that? So that way, we have plenty of time with all the with all the highlights. This is a good point from the nine one eight. We will get really screwed on the scheduling in twenty three. You can count on it. Really don't think we will play the Cowboys, either travel to UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. You can count on it for away games. Oh, absolutely. The Big 12 is not going to do Texas or Oklahoma any favors, nor should they. They're going to make it as hard on them as possible. And I think, you know, in that, probably protect some of their entities too. Hell, if Oklahoma's supposed to go to Oklahoma State, that's supposed to be a, a game next year. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I everyone's out there. Oh, I guarantee. Really? You sure about that? Because I'm not. And kind of with the narrative that's come out of Stillwater, you know, I I don't know. Um, it's for the 405. Why can't they just only play the traditional Big 12 teams in the final year and not reward the new teams by putting OU on their schedule? All right. Kind of explained this, but as I have learned. It might sound good from a crowd perspective, right? Like Texas Tech, it wouldn't surprise me if they sent Texas to Texas Tech again next year. Wouldn't surprise me at all. That's a reward for Tech because Tech's not in a position to play for a national championship. Sorry. Sorry. They're just not, and they're not going to be. Sorry, Tech Tina. But they could they could sure use the money from a sellout when Texas or Oklahoma shows up, right? TCU, Oklahoma State, maybe Baylor, they could be in a position – to, I don't know, maybe put themselves in a playoff mix? Do you want to risk their playoff resume by getting beat by Texas or Oklahoma? So these things that I always thought were a reward, now in the end the Big 12 might look out and go, "Eh, maybe not. And their TV deal is set, so don't get with me about TV ratings. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but 
I don't necessarily know if that's as much of a of a thing as maybe you do. Now, Kansas State, Chris Kleiman would come and go, yeah, absolutely, We're, they're supposed to host Oklahoma next year. And they got Chris Kleiman behind closed doors. You think he wants to play Oklahoma at home? Probably not. You think they want to go to Texas? Probably not. So, I'm just, again, I'm thinking kind of big picture here. You're going to be very busy talking about all of the potential storylines when the schedule eventually drops. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a very busy week for you. Um, yeah, and it's going to be in February, right? Um, everybody's talking about Oklahoma's having just six wins like they're the worst team ever. Writes the 405. But they're just as close as they were last year to winning only five or six games and ended up winning ten. It was the same this year. They could have easily won four more games. The only guys that aren't playing in the bowl game that hurt us is Anton Harrison and everybody on defense that contributed. I'll take Barnes over Gray all day long, and Morris really wasn't that impressive. They've got some really good young offensive linemen, and I think they'll be fine. I saw a stat earlier uh, when at the end of the regular season, and it was if you flip the result of the fat, like the line last scoring drive. Mm-hmm. So for West Virginia, if you gave Oklahoma three points instead of West Virginia on that last one, it's obviously a very weird stat. It's like a one possession game. OU would have finished ten and two. And it's funny. I, God. Eric Gray had one of the ten best rushing seasons in the history of the University of Oklahoma. Names like Adrian Peterson, Steve Owens, he did, and yet you still, oh, I'd rather have Javante Barnes than him. What what were we watching together this That's year, crazy. man? What are you doing? Eric, Eric Gray was the, the sole highlight of, of this team consistently throughout the year. He, um, he is the best player on the team. The only guy that that isn't playing in the bowl game that hurt us is, is Anton Harrison. That's a pretty big freaking deal. That's a potential first-round pick at left tackle. Man, I'm with you, bro. I'm all fired up about this bowl game, and I think Oklahoma's going to play well. But don't minimize what they've lost. I mean, I, you know, I, I dig where you were going. Hey, let's get fired up. Let's go. We can do this. Think about that offensive line. Put Tyler Guyton at a tackle. He was out there the last few games. He looked great. Let's see what these freshmen can do. All right. Robert Conjol did fine at center. Gabriel's back. I love that sentiment. Right. Love that sentiment. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, yeah, you'll take Barnes over Gray. Maybe in two years from now now. But Eric Gray had a great season. I'm the biggest Javante Barnes fan ever. I, I love – I think he's going to be so good. I did too. He's not better than Eric Gray right now. Um, From the 405. As Teddy would say, I've heard scuttlebutt that OSU was asking not to play us in our last year of the Big 12. So if that is true, this was our last bedlam for this foreseeable future. I've said this a bazillion times on this Seattle Very Radio program. I have never seen a narrative change like I did this past year as it pertains to the future of a matchup, right? Everything that you heard, y'all, everything that we heard, 2025, 2025, I mean, the the final bedlam will be in – Norman in 2024, as a blah, 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 2025. But then all of a sudden, the week of OU, OSU, what happened? Well, you never know. You never know. 
bottom line is they might end up being the last ever, the last ever Bedlam game. You're like, wait, what? Where did all this start coming from? So it was, it was weird, I think is the best way to put it. So maybe Ted's on to something. You know, a lot of people say things in public about, I'll take on all comers. And we just behind closed doors, like, yeah, you know, I'm okay if we don't have that. I'm fine with that. So we'll see. Um, wow, uh, this got away from us. 1119 on the ref. That's Pierce. I'm Plank. More to come from. Your texts are great. But I've got to hit the top five stories of the day next. This is just, all right, so I'm sorry, Ted. I'm blocking people again. You're a moron, 918. I don't think there's anyone in the conference that would not want to play OU. We aren't that good. Blocked. Incorrect. There is not a single person in the Big 12 that would want to, um, that would want to, what's the best way to put this, deal with playing Oklahoma. Not a single or Texas. They're the most talented teams in the league still. So, well, sorry, sir. Uh, You would be blocked. Don't be an idiot. Just like this guy. Um, I don't understand still this moronic nature around Eric Gray. I'll never understand it. Right? I'm going to read this. So I brought up. He was making a good point. Right? Rolling. Making a good point. Ah, you know, Florida State, not that good. Great. I hope so. I hope you're right. That's what I said. I'm building up this bowl game that no one seems to want to talk about. And then I bring up Eric Gray had one of the top – 10 seasons in the history of the University of Oklahoma running the football. Top 10 in the history. Better than his coach, DeMarco Murray. Do you know that? Better than DeMarco Murray. Eric Gray is nowhere near the level of Adrian Peterson. You just blow on Eric Gray and he'll fall down. All right, sir. It's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No one is trying to say Eric Gray is better than Adrian Peterson. But for this year, top 10 season. Where is Oklahoma without him? Blocked. Blocked. Sorry, Ted. I'm saving you here, too. Um, From Nick. I hate to see Bedlam over for the foreseeable future, but I would be happy for you, OU to not play OSU in 2023. OSU's mediocrity football is the reason we're in this situation. OU is moving forward and growing, and OSU has the opportunity in the Big 12 to finally be king. But they just want to continue to be petty about it. Good luck with that Oklahoma State boomer. Again, like like this someone said, I could I could hear Teddy going, um actually scuttlebutt out there. I mean, who knows? I don't think anyone would publicly let that get out. But bottom line more than anything else, we're in a situation right now that Florida State has all the juice heading into this, right or wrong, and Oklahoma's the team that slept on. And I kind of dig it. Have you have you checked the odds yet for this thing? I don't know it off the okay. top of my head. Do you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've got it right here in front of me. Do I know? If it off I the had top to of guess, me? all right, go if ahead. If I had to guess here, right? I would say Florida State is a four and a half point favorite. Florida State is an eight and a half point favorite heading into this game. Oh. Man, so right, that's high. Well, in, in Oklahoma, apparently they- is. Is not playing a guy that you can blow on and he can fall down. So also they've got true. that. I mean, they've got that going for him. Are they like nice. what minus like two hundred? Oh, let me see money here. What, oh, I just clicked off of it. Yeah, I probably probably something like that, that would be right. Yeah, that's definitely more in favor of Florida State than I was expecting. 
this is good. If we went ten and two instead of six and six, the ignorant takes about Eric Gray wouldn't even exist. I thought we, I thought we moved past this. I would say, considering the circumstances of this year, Eric Gray has had a phenomenal season, and no one can criticize him. Writes the four six nine. Agreed. I would agree one hundred. You got to take your L 100%. on that. Yeah. You have to take your L. Do we all think Javante Barnes is going to be good? Yep. Do we all think that Marcus Major, if he can get healthy, is going to play a role? You bet. Gavin Sawchuck, hope so. But you got to stop and give some kudos to Eric Gray. And, and I will never un- – minus 290, by the way, OU Optimist. Woo. Yeah, big number. So the bottom line, more than anything else, you you got you to give credit where credit is due. And this is a dude that without him, they're in big trouble this year. I'll, I will never understand that. Like, for instance, this. Gray's yards are great, but I think those yards also have a lot to do with the offensive line, which with some of these guys not playing the bowl game is a factor. We go win with what we got. I think that is pretty damn good. Don't forget about Sooner Magic, baby. I love Sooner Magic. I don't give a damn about Sooner Magic making OU 7-6. and six. All right? Sooner Magic is something that I think we should save for, like, championship settings kind of how you live your life on a daily basis. I don't want Sooner Magic to win the freaking Camping World Bowl or the Cheez-It Bowl or whatever we're in now. I want him to go beat a mediocre Florida State team that got that got fat on a soft schedule. That's what I want more than anything else. Gosh. Don't forget Sooner Magic. It's the Cheez-It Bowl. It's um, not that, yeah, it's not that deep. I don't think we need. And, yeah, yeah, give credit to the offensive line, but then you get into that fight where – all right, well, then why wasn't Marcus Major able to do it? And why wasn't Javante Barnes able to do it? If you're going to try to take away from Eric Gray. Why are we fighting over this? That's We're a late again. Question. Oh, well, it's just been that kind of show today. See, here's what happened. All right, I learned a lesson. I stayed off Twitter during the Raiders game yesterday. Had a blast. Loved the game. Good for you. Got mad whenever the Raiders stopped doing what the Raiders – well, I didn't get mad. I was used to it. But in the second half, the Raiders did what they've done all season long. Get a big lead, completely forget how to play football. It's wild how that happens with professionals. But I thoroughly enjoyed it because I wasn't worried about all the ignorant takes out there. Right? It was great. It was awesome. And then when I went to Twitter, it was at least after a win, and I gave myself some time. I got into the Air Comfort Solutions text line way too early on the show today. That was a major problem here. All right, let's hustle through the top five stories today. All right, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. We'll be there tomorrow, conveniently located off I-44 and exit 107. Big story number five. A lot of guys turning pro. Bijan Robinson enters that mix. He will not play in the bowl game for Texas. No surprise here. I guess maybe the surprise is that He's not playing in the bowl game, but I, even that's not a surprise. It's I wouldn't, the Alamo if, I, bowl. if I were him, I wouldn't do it. It's the Alamo Bowl. You know you're going to be a one of the first running backs off the board. You're not proving anything else. Right. You've already did everything. Yeah. Damarian Overshone also opted out of the bowl game. He's turning pro for Texas. Oh. Bit of a surprise there. Um, while Max Duggan, he'll play in the bowl game, playoffs, but he is going to turn pro. I don't like how he announced that before the playoffs. I think he should have waited until afterwards. Yes. Take a little of the noise away from it. I don't I, like it. I wonder I wonder if part of it, too, was maybe a little motivational. Hey, this is it. You know, oh, we got to okay. go. I, yeah, this is our year. I don't know. Right, maybe. Maybe. Also, over the weekend, we learned that Bo Nix is coming back for another year 
at Oregon. Go ahead and lock him in for the Heisman next year. He's going to be a candidate. He's they look really there. good. New offensive coordinator, though, in Oregon. Let's see how that works out. All right, big story number four. Actually, you know what? We get big stories four and big story three kind of combined together. We start big story number four with women's basketball as OU struggled a little bit in the first half. A little case of the old turnovers. But um, rolled in the second half. Taylor Robertson didn't have a big day, but it didn't matter. Uh, Oklahoma beat up on Southern 76-50. to Maddie Williams became the eighth Sooner to eclipse 2,000 career points, uh, joining teammate Taylor Robertson to make it the only team in the country with a pair of 2,000-point scores. Uh, Sooners are headed to North Carolina. Um, nine and one on the season as we get ready for Big Twelve play. In fact, both the men and the women in North Kakalaki this week over there for the Jumpman Invitational. I tried. Are you going? To, I tried to get Gaylord to send me, and they were like, "You know what? We're sending you to the bowl game, so we can't afford to send you to this uh, thing." And okay. then they decided to not send anyone to the bowl game, so I'm going to neither actually. Ah. What? What are they going to do for content, man? I, I don't know. That's a great point. Does the OU Nightly Show continue whenever you guys are gone or no? No. So we end – we'll start – we have, like, practice shows for the first few weeks, and then it ends gotcha. around Thanksgiving. So the OU women will play Wednesday against Florida at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. The men will play Tuesday against Florida at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina after they beat up on Central Arkansas 87 to 66. So, um, Sooners, what did they prove to? 8-3 and three on the season for the men's side of things. And uh, did you go out on Saturday for this? Did you have to cover it? No? I did not. I, I was there. Didn't, ah. didn't cover it, though. Jacob Grubb's game, he had 26 points to lead the way for the Sooners. Grant Sherfield had 17, two of the four Sooners in double digits. All right, that gets us to big story number two. We're going to dive into all the NFL craziness including the fact that Baker Mayfield gets a Monday Night Football start tonight. Ooh, I'm excited. Are we Rams fans? Are we I'm, Rams? I'm a Rams okay. fan. We're Rams fans I'm a fans Ram tonight. fan tonight. I, I would love to see the Rams do well this evening, especially to make me feel a little bit better about last week. But, of course, all anyone is talking about, and understandably so, is the wild finish to the Raiders and the Patriots. And here's Are you what sure it, that's what everyone's talking about? I feel like it. Here's what it sounded like on the Raiders radio network. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. He scores. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what I just saw. Again! I can't believe what I just saw. This is unbelievable. <laughs> wow! On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas! <laughs> what does the team conversation sound like from the Patriots side of things after that game? I, I, what I do mean... you even start? What do you say as Bill Belichick? I think Bill Belichick pretty much. He kind of took the high road, honestly. In his yeah. answer in the presser, he was honestly being kind of polite about it. He was, right. he was being nice to his players. Yeah, exactly. Good for him. Um, all right, big story 
Well, I've got more from the NFL. We got the Cowboys, Jaguars, crazy finish. We've got Vikings comeback, incredible comeback on Saturday, and we've got the Chiefs walk off coming up, uh, which gets us to big story number one. All right, um, portal news, of course. Now, again, we spent a lot of da- a lot of time trying to investigate this today. Joseph Wete is withdrawn from the portal for a second time. This is not the administrative clerical thing that we thought it was earlier. Uh, this is actually him withdrawing from the portal, but not on the roster. I don't think he has a role on this team anymore. But, again, it's it's a story. It's out there from on3.com. We'll see. We learned this morning that Cedric Roberts has committed to Texas State. Nick Evers over the weekend committed to Wisconsin. And Kendall Dennis over the weekend committed to USF. And uh, we're all waiting on Wednesday. This is interesting real quick before we break. Uh, Ari Wasserman, who covers recruiting for the athletic, covers college football in general. I like Ari a lot. Um, Has his top ten stories on signing day. Up there, of course, is the impact that um, maybe Deion Sanders in Colorado might be able to make. They got a commitment from Malachi Coleman over the weekend. But here is uh, here's what Ari wrote about his second big story. Will five-star Peyton Bowen stick with Notre Dame? Marcus Freeman's first full class in Notre Dame is one of the best the Irish have put together in modern recruiting era. 26 commits, six nationally, but will it have five-star power? Notre Dame already lost a commitment from one five-star. Now there is concern that he won't be able to hang on to Peyton Bowen with Brent Venables in Oklahoma making a huge push. Bowen took to Twitter to shoot down the speculation that NIL was a factor, but when it's all said and done, NIL or not, can Freeman get the jewel of Notre Dame's class to sign his national letter of intent on Wednesday? If you were to uh, follow the crystal ball projections out there, the answer to that would be no, and that Bowen is on his way to Oklahoma, but we'll see. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Mm. Quick break. When we come back, um, NFL nuts and nuggets. Go more in-depth on what was a wild, wild week in the National Football League. Week 15, a memorable one. We'll get to Deets next right here on The Ref. How did this show so brilliantly plan to talk about day three picks, playing in bowl games, the uh, countdown to Cruton and the big storylines to follow. How did it end up in a fight over Eric Gray and Joseph Wete? I did not have that on my bingo card. I did not either. But here we are. All right. Um, yesterday was – and Saturday was pretty wild in the world of college football. It is it is absolutely wild to think. We played the Raiders highlight. You had a last second – oh, here, this is good. This is good. Um, I don't have – what sucks is I don't have the final call on the Texans radio network. I can imagine it was pretty deflating. But we can't play guess the network because this one is just way too obvious. Three receivers in a triangle to the left side. Mahomes hands it off to McKinnon trying to dart left. 25-20 downfield block. 10-5. Touchdown! Kansas City! Terrific run by Jarek McKinnon to win the game in overtime on a 26-yard run. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year. That's second all-time in National Football League history. 
It's a lot to fit in in one call. Well done. It was. Ah, there's a lot going on there. Chiefs needed overtime uh, to beat, apparently, based on that call, an incredibly dynamic and unstoppable one-win Texans team. Davis Mills, he's have a you, threat. Have you guys ever followed Andrew Shepard, our spotter on Twitter, during a Chiefs game? I have not. You, um, you need to do yourself a favor and do it. You would think the Chiefs were the 1-11 and football team going into the game. I was kind of worried about them a little bit yesterday, but uh, Chiefs win. So now they, they're kind of battling with Buffalo for that one seed, and I don't think either team's going to be in a position where they can rest guys down the stretch, which is unfortunate for the Raiders in Week 18. Also, you had a wild finish between the Bills and the Dolphins on Saturday. Here we go. The game on the line. The snow is flying. 25-yard field goal try for Tyler Bass. The win hangs in the balance. The snap is good. The hold is good. The kick is up. The kick is good. It is good. The fireworks go off. The Bills go back to the playoffs for the fourth consecutive year. This crowd is going crazy. The Bills are going crazy. The players are on the field just laying in the snow, dancing around, making snowmen. The Bills win it 32 to 29. Amazing. 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 I think he meant snow angels instead of snowmen. Yeah, yeah. He would make a snow angels. And, and also they were sliding, which was kind of cool. That was funny. I thought that, that was cool. funny. Uh, I had a friend at that game. Really? Yeah. Big O Jerry Ostrowski, uh, Tulsa Peeps know him. He played for the Bills for a decade. Him and I think his whole family were there on, on Saturday night. In fact, uh, a, a his, an historic picture was taken on the field of Tulsa edge rusher Owen Ostrowski, shirt off, overalls on, snow falling, scoreboard in the background. So I had a buddy at that game, right, which is cool, buddies, friends at that game. Uh, our buddy Trevor LaFoon was celebrating his 30th birthday at the Jets-Lions game, and he's a Lions fan, so that was awesome. And then I think Matt Hofield, um, he was at the Raiders game. So we – I had a day for friends. Yeah. Everybody now, I, but you were having a Everybody time. but me was sitting on my couch with my dumb little Frenchie watching the game, trying to hope they could pull it out. Now, here's here's a good guess the network. Are you ready? I'll take you to Saturday night. Saturday night. Indianapolis. Well, Saturday afternoon, excuse me. Indianapolis and Minnesota, right? Quite the one-sided game. The magical comeback. So we all know how this thing played out. It was the greatest comeback from a numbers perspective in the history of the National Football League. Largest margin ever. Guess the network. All right? I'm going to give you the losing team's call and the winning, team, winning team's call. It's going to be tough. All right? Okay. I'm just warning. It's going to be tough. Okay. But he, here, here we go. Kick is on its way. Plenty of distance, and it is good, and the Vikings win. All right? There's one. Right. Is that the winning team or is that the losing team? All right here's the second call. Snap spot. Joseph, right-footed kick. It is good! And the Minnesota Vikings have completed the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. From 33 down, they beat the Indianapolis Colts 39 all the players are on the field, and that is the ball game. The Vikings are NFC North champions. Gonna be tough here. You know, I, mm, 
It's mm. hard. I, right? I almost, I can't even make a guess. They're just too close. <laughs> I just can't differentiate the two. Do you know what's kind of wild is the um, the New England Patriots call of the, <laughs> yeah, I got it. You're right. The second one's the Vikings. Good guessing, everyone. Tough to figure that one out, right? But the act, the Patriots call was actually pretty good. Have you heard the Patriots radio I've network? Not. I've not. All right, this is, we played the Raiders network. Here is the Patriots call on the Patriots radio network of the Raiders win yesterday. Now in a third and ten, three seconds left. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He started right. He runs it up the middle, hit by Chandler. Jones slips and hit across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Unreal. Touchdown. Raiders. Good night. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. And a victory for Las Vegas. <laughs> the other guy, this so is the lag. most dumbest team I've ever seen. And also, the dejected as the football is midair between oh my God. and Chandler Jones. And they're just the, oh, my God. Uh, like, he knew exactly what was about to happen. You know what? Um, the TV call of that, I was hoping they had the TV call. I thought the TV call, and I'm usually pretty anti the TV call of things. I thought it was pretty good. It was uh, Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. And when the ball was in the air, like right away, Vilma saw it. He's like, oh, no. And they both go, oh, no. And I'm- I'll tell you what. The, the biggest loser of the entire thing is not Jacoby Myers. It's not the Patriots organization. It's Mac Jones after getting <laughs> stiff-armed like that on national television and everybody watching that highlight. I had to laugh. He just got, he got put smoked. in the dirt, man. I felt bad for him. Oh, well, it's been one of – here's what's crazy is – I mean, the game was going to overtime, right? The game was going to overtime. It's yeah. not like the Raiders do that to win. No, it was but, 24-24. Yeah, it was It's crazy. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show next. So, as we um, put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show, nice little treat for Steelman and Thune at noon coming up, especially on the recruiting side of things – where Micah Tease has decommitted from Arkansas, um, sent out one of those magical little text threads, which I got to be honest, um, I can actually read this one. That one from Jalen Redmond was long and small. I'd bring out the reading glasses, zoom that bad boy up. But it um, says, after long consideration, I'm decommitting from Arkansas. I will be signing on Wednesday at Booker T. Washington. So apparently... Bob Prisbillo, what you get me thrown under the bus on that one? Didn't know there'd be all these. I bring that up and I get destroyed. No one says anything to Bob. Hey, maybe there won't be a lot of these commitment ceremonies. Apparently, I was the one that was wrong. Now you look like a dummy. I look like the idiot now, right? Um, I think uh, isn't there this great debate? Whether or not Pierce, there is that offer that's there for Miles Tease or not, is like Micah Tease. What did I say, Miles? Miles, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Miles is his older brother that played at OU. Micah Tease is one of those that I have heard such little about. <laughs> I feel like there are certain guys that I've got like a good grasp of right. like, the situation. I got nothing for Micah Tease. Yeah, I got it's, nothing. It's weird because, like you said, there are some that think that oh, it's you know he's always had an Oklahoma offer and it's a slam dunk. 
there's there's others that it's oh he's never had an offer from OU and I don't know I I don't know what to believe and I'd then, love that to they're have coming him. in late so love I, to have you him. know who would know Park of Thune. It's a good thing he's coming up next. Uh, Can you click on the prep page real quick? Because I did shut things down knowing that I wanted to hit one more Air Comfort Solutions text. before. Listen, I want to tell you something. I know I like to fight with you guys a lot on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Right there. Perfect. But um, I I thoroughly enjoy the interaction. Now, some of you are morons, and you got to be blocked. And I'm sorry. I'm going against Ted's best wishes. But some of you bring up really good points, like this, the 405. OU's been the recipient of opposing teams, players opting out. It appears we're on the other side of it this year. As fans, we have to look at the upside to playing this game. Which, again, I like I said, the, the only opt-outs I've seen so far for Oklahoma are Eric Gray, Wanya Morris, Jalen Redmond, and Anton Harrison. Right? I mean. Oh, that's it. That's it, right? Just those four <laughs> huge starters. Just four, four massive starters. Yeah. But somehow this turned into, good, Eric Gray's gone and I'll take Javante Barnes over him any day, maybe in three years from now. But, guys, Eric Gray had an awesome season. Like this from Sean, who writes, Eric Gray was awesome in a workhorse. These comments about Gray are people who ask now, who do we have, who do we play this week, and Barry always hung half a hundred on him. Right. It's like, I, Eric Gray blowing him, and he falls over. One more from the 405. We don't need sooner magic. We just need our guys to have nothing to lose and play like it. Those types of uh, teams can be dangerous. FSU has been just so-so the last few years. We just need to be better and we can win. I'm excited. I love bowl games. Even the uh, COVID bowl game was fun. Yeah, that was a win over Florida. I know you beat their JV team, right? Oh, Dan Mullen. You want to talk about going scorched earth, go back and listen to Ted's take on Dan Mullen that next day. That was some good stuff. You guys think I get angry. All right, we'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Pierce, have a great uh, winter break, I guess. Yeah, winter break, yeah. Congrats on making the Dean's List. Thank you. It's a big deal, dude. Thanks for having me on this week. No, I love talking with you. I love chopping it up. And uh, I guess Josh returns tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be over at OU tomorrow, so we'll be trying to get all the skinny on signing day. The latest on the Micah Tease news, he has decommitted from Arkansas. What's next? Steelman and Thune are here to tell you right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.